I appreciated how, um, how eventually they just caught on to start actually telling the truth after a while. I'm going to let anything slide. That was pretty good. Um, <clears throat> on this special day, uh, it's important for us to think of what it is we're celebrating as well as trying to also encourage our, one of our brothers as he enters into uh, the called ministry. He's been a part of the ministry for a long time now, but, but now entering it as a rostered and, and a called worker. But uh, something about this day often gets me pretty excited as somebody who really uh, didn't, didn't grow up too much in the church and, and definitely did not grow up as a Lutheran in any sort of way. <laughs> um, just the pomp and the circumstance that uh, Lutherans actually feeling excited in worship for once uh, is, is pretty nice as well. But the other day, um, I was at a, uh, an ordination of a friend of mine. He was, he was getting ordained in the Anglican priesthood. And uh, the Anglican church and a lot of its worship service and setting seems very uh, familiar to a Lutheran, a traditional Lutheran service. But we came to the time of the confession and absolution. And they invited for everybody that is here to confess their sins before God to actually uh, to get down on the ground and kneel. kneel. Kneel down like this, which certainly um, does not fit within our Lutheran robotic moves in any sort of way. We do the kneeling and standing pretty well. But to get down and kneel, and I was sitting with another, with a group of Lutherans that were also friends with, uh, with this priest, and all of us looking at each other strange, are you going, are you going to kneel? Are, are you going to kneel? Well, well, we did eventually kneel, and, and we went through the time of confession and absolution, and, and even not only confessed our sins while we were kneeling, but we also received the absolution while we were kneeling. And this has kind of stuck with me all of this week, especially as I went over the different readings of Romans, and, and, and our reading here today, where we are seeing that the very clear statement, there are none who can match up to the glory of God. For all fall short of the glory of God. And I know in my own personal experience, in my own life, that there are many times that I forget that. Not just that I forget that I don't meet up to the glory of God, but that others don't meet up to the because one of the hardest things as a Christian is not to compare ourselves to others, to their righteousness, to their perfection, to their ability not to struggle with whatever it is that I am struggling with. There was something kind of humanizing about actually kneeling with an entire congregation in order to confess our sin. And it made me think about what, what it is that we do here when we confess our sins. Most of us, when we are confessing our sins, and what we are doing is we're often thinking about that list of things we have collected through the week. Or things that we wish we hadn't collected through the week. And so we're going off like a, a list, ticking through it, of, of the times that we lied, the times that we spoke out in anger, the times that we, we spoke very loudly in our ignorance. Maybe the times that we actually looked at the computer screen for a little too long, or things on that screen that should never have been there. 
And as we go down that list of different things, we're ticking them off as if we can just erase them and that they be gone by us confessing that one thing. Now, there certainly is a truth. I'm getting older. I can't do this for very long. There is a a truth to that. Now, certainly, we are called to confess those individual things, and that is the purpose of that confession time, an admittance of, of those individual acts. But it's actually also, and most importantly, an acknowledgement before God of who we actually are. An acknowledgement that we, in our own sinful nature, cannot help ourselves. This is significant because of the different ways we often try to treat sin. We love to compartmentalize it putting it into its different sections. If I am struggling with something, I can deal with that something, and then maybe it will match up to the other areas of my life where I seem to have it going okay. So if my, if my struggle is with what James comes to talk about and the ways that I speak in anger or hurtful ways towards others, all I need to do is just really kind of try harder to tie that tongue down. Well, first, has anybody ever tried that? And has anybody ever been successful? But if we were actually able to do do that, does that mean sin does not exist in other places? I'm breaking all kinds of homiletical rules. They say not to use the word sin too much. But that is what we are acknowledging before God. Because we cannot compartmentalize those things. We cannot pretend like they only exist in some part of our life, but not in the other parts of our life. That there are sections of our life that, that for whatever reason, sin can never get to. That no matter what, my intelligence can never be taken down by sin. But what we learn, the consequences of sin, is certainly death, and aging and health, and it will get to your intelligence. My marriage may be bulletproof. I have worked hard to build up those bricks and those walls to keep sin outside of that marriage. But how many of us have learned that all it takes is one split second to say one thing to ruin a lot of days? We've been fooled. We've been fooled by our enemy, and many churches and many people have bought into it. To where all we need to do is to keep building the walls to keep sin out. All it comes down to is the perfect method, the perfect way of keeping yourself pure, and then, then you will be acceptable to God. Then you will actually be worth the grace that you have received. Then you will receive his promise of keeping it. All you need to do is to be that perfect Christian. All you need to do is to be a nice guy, to feed the poor and the hungry, and do so without any anger. That's all you need. 
I've sat through so many sermons giving me the lists of how to be a perfect Christian. And I can't do it. And I can't keep sin out of all the parts of my life. And as I perfect one, the others fall apart. I cannot keep treating sin this way. So when we come in and we, we are making our confession before God, whether, whether we are standing or kneeling or sitting, it is acknowledging before God the very truth that He has spoken to us today that all fall short of the glory of God. That the laws of man, even the laws of God Himself, cannot make me perfect before His eyes and cannot make me perfect before yours. So as we kneel, and as we confess, confess our sins, it also seems right that that's the place where we actually receive His grace. That the cross comes into our view and becomes the picture and the way in which the Lord delivers that justification or that forgiveness into our lives. Because we, these poor, miserable sinners, are in the front of God and by His eyes no longer seen as such, but seen as His children. For we have not been justified by the works of the law, the works of the world, by the identities we have built up in our work, our computer intelligence, or lack thereof, our ability to be the perfect Seattleite, or the greatest athlete, or the one who can hold his tongue, and the one who knows how to abstain. But we are actually children of God because God has seen fit to make us his children. We, in our lives, have no virtues except for the virtue of faith. And that virtue of faith is his own faith. A faith that led Christ in obedience to the cross to save you, and with you in his picture and in his mind. To make you become his child. And so it seems right that as we confess our sins and we acknowledge who we are before God, in our receiving the absolution, we hear what he sees us now as. For all who call on him and confess, he gives the right to become the children of God. And that is now how we are, who we are. It is what we hear in our humbleness coming to him. It is what we hear in our greatest joys and our most awful failures. It is what reaches down in the pits of our sin and our death and brings us back to life. And it is only, only upon hearing that message that we are even given the strength to stand back up. For the laws of man and the laws of this world will not only not justify us, but will continue to keep us down. We will never get our feet under us. 
We will never be perfect in those areas. But in the gospel, there is freedom to stand back up. There's freedom in knowing who we are. There's freedom in saying, yes, I am one who is a sinner, but I am also one who the Lord has sought out in His love. I am one who He has given the right and the power to become a child of God. This is important to us today because oftentimes it's hard to stand back up. There are so many things for us to trip on. There are so many things that can bring us before our knees for God, in front of God. But remember that Christ has come to this place to lift you up. That he not only came to die, but he came to rise again. And that in the power of that resurrection, he has given you the ability to be alive here and now. Being his people here. Today, we're commissioning a brother in the ministry. And he's not the only person who will be making vows today. But you will be as well. To be the people of God when it comes to supporting him, encouraging him, and holding him accountable. Meaning you now, as the people of God, are given the ministry and the power and the strength to deliver this cross to another person. To remind them as you have been freed and as you now stand, they can too. Because we all know now two truths. All fall short of the glory of God. And Christ has come for all who fall short. He's come for our brother, he's come for you, and he's come for me. And so as we go from this place into this world to be those people of God, let us find great joy in this. Joy in kneeling in our confession and joy at having a cross to hold us and to stand up and to be in this world. Let us go forth in that cross, in that name, and in that power. Amen?